Man, well, good morning, church. Good to see everybody. Uh, thank, uh, thanks, Steve, for, for the welcome this morning. Hope you feel welcomed. I just want to welcome you all this morning to this Sunday service and welcome any guests that we have. I just want to thank everyone uh, for, for continually giving into Fields Church. We still have commitments that we have to make, and uh, we're still supporting missionaries, uh, local and missionaries overseas, overseas. So we thank you for all the people that continually give every week, every month, and, and, and every year. So we, we thank you guys for that. Um, I want to just go straight into my message this morning. I'm going to pray and uh, we'll carry on. Thank you, Father God. I just want to pray this over you. Uh, it's uh, Acts 3.19. It says, repent and be converted that times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. If ever you feel overwhelmed, if ever you feel tired, anxious, weary, freaked out, stressful, just get before the Lord and, and just pray and, and, and worship. And I know that times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. Father, we thank you for your presence. Although we're not in the same room, we thank you, Father God, that there is no distance in the spirit. Thank you, Father God, that as we come today, as we've worshipped you, as we've glorified you, as we, as we sit around your table, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll bring a word, the word of life to our hearts this morning. And as we gather in your presence, Lord, I thank you that we will feel refreshed. I thank you for the infilling of the Holy Spirit, another topping up of your spirit, that we ask you to fill us afresh this morning by your spirit, Lord, that the things of the earth will just go strangely dim in the light of your glory and your grace. Father, we thank you for Jesus, our Saviour. Easter's coming, guys, where Jesus was crucified, he was buried, but he rose again. And his life, the very life of God lives in each one of us. Father, we thank you for that life. Thank you, Father God, as I share the word of life, that it will bring life this morning. The word is like a seed that I believe will go into every heart, producing a harvest. I thank you for every heart that it's open to receive that which the Holy Spirit would want to impart to you, Lord. It is incorruptible seed, the word of God, and it will go out and accomplish that which you purpose it to do in our lives. And if you love the Lord, you'll say amen. Good to see you all this morning. Uh, just a couple of announcements then. Uh, Christianity Explored, uh, we're on week four tomorrow. Uh, last week, we had a, a really uh, a good time and in our group, Diddley's in our group, and I must say to everybody and confess that I lost the plot on Monday night. I couldn't stop laughing from some of the things that she was uh, talking about. And I know the whole group, we had to pack, we packed up for a, seemed like minutes, but it wasn't that long, but we really had a good time. So looking forward to our fourth session of Christianity Explored tomorrow. Uh, yeah, Diddley wants to be baptised. So we'll organise a baptism. For those of you who haven't been baptised and you'd like to get baptised, get hold of us at hello at fieldschurch.uk and we'll make sure that you're included in that. Uh, we've, we've read something about Mar Marie Curie want to hold a minute's silence on Tuesday the 23rd of March at 12 o'clock and people are encouraged to light up their doorsteps that night. Don't set them alight, just put a candle or a light in the, in, in the uh, porch or wherever you want to put it. And uh, can you believe that it's, it's, it's one year since we had lockdown 
<clears throat> this time last year, Esther and I went around and delivered all the um, Mother's Day gifts to all the mothers that day. So, yeah, it's a whole year and what a year we've had. But I believe, you know, this season, let's believe this season is coming to an end and we're going to enter a new season of life. I love spring, going out, driving out in the spring sunshine when we get sunshine, uh, looking at all the flowers and just enjoying uh, just a different season in our life. And I know we've been through a tough season, but we're coming through the other end. Nudge your neighbour and say we're coming through the other end. Why don't you high five the front of the screen, high five the left of the screen, people on your left and right, push the person in front of you, push the person that's fallen asleep by the left and to the right of you. I just want to uh, thank Danny for um, worship this morning. Thank you, Danny, for stepping up. And I want to thank you for our amazing team. This is a team effort. What you see on a Sunday is just not me, uh, you know, a few guys just saying a couple of things and me preaching and someone worshipping. There's a whole team effort behind the scenes, and I want to thank the team, the dream team, for stepping up to the plate. I'm continuing my message on the three enemies of our faith. This is part three. We have a guest speaker next week, our good friend George will be sharing, so he's going to come and share. And we have a guest speaker on Easter Sunday, so tell your neighbour you need to be there. See the details on our Friday email. Hope you get in the Friday email and you're reading it. Please read it. People say, I don't know what's happening at church. We'll read your Friday email and you'll get to see what's happening at church. Okay, we've been looking at the three enemies of our faith, the world, the flesh and the devil. Haven't got time to really recap. We focused on the world, this world system. We focused on the devil. He's the enemy of our souls. And this week we're going to have a look at the flesh. Now, what does the flesh relate to? Let me just give you the heads up with a few Bible verses. If you're taking notes, if you like taking notes, take notes. If you don't like taking notes, still take notes anyway. Let's have a look at, we're going to have a look at Jeremiah 32, 27. We're going to have a look at 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to have a look at John 1. And we're going to have a look at the letter of John 1, John 4. And then Romans, and we'll go on from there. So that's the heads up for the few verses. If you want to turn to Jeremiah 32, 27, you know, firstly, what does the flesh relate to? You know, the flesh has three basic meanings. Firstly, it relates to this flesh body. Do you just want to pinch yourself? Just pinch your hand or your, your, your cheek or whatever. It relates to this flesh body. Secondly, it relates to our, our, our old nature, our old way of thinking, our old stinking thinking, if I can say it that way. And thirdly, it relates to doing things in our own strength. We're just going to have a look at the first two uh, because we won't have time to go through uh, all of that. But if you're with me at Jeremiah 32, 27, we're going to have a look at what the flesh relates to regarding, you know, our flesh bodies and that kind of thing. And, um, as I was studying this, I just thought I wanted to go through some of these things so that we could understand. Uh, let's have a look at Jeremiah 32, 27. going to read from the New King James. That's in the Old Testament. It says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Is there anything too hard for God, guys? Whatever you're believing God for, it might be impossible with man. But all things, say that, all things are possible with God. Amen. You know, this relates to mankind and every living thing on the planet that God has created. But I want to say this. 
The next verse shows us that not all flesh is the same flesh. And I'm going to upset all the evolutionists today. If you're an evolutionist, get ready to be upset. How about you? Are you an can't even say the word now. Evolutionist today. You know, this would be a good verse to show your friends who believe in evolution, who believe we might have evolved from apes or monkeys. Let's go down to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 13, 39. Is everybody okay today? Everyone okay? Put your thumbs up. I see you, you I can see you're all just so focused and so concentrated. It's lovely to see children in the service. I love it. I know we're all God's children, but it's lovely to see the kids. Uh, you know, this is all about family, isn't it? It's not just about, you know, we're going to have some time for the adults. It's for everybody. Okay, you with 1 Corinthians 15, 39. I've got quite a lot to go through, so I want to go push through this. 1 Corinthians 15, 39. Look at this. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men. Do you see that? This is uh, 1 Corinthians 15. There is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of animals, another of fish, and another of birds. Can we see this? God created mankind's flesh different from the animals. This is a real biggie. And you know, there are some Christians who struggle with this and still believe that we might have evolved. Now, are we going to believe what man says, or are we going to believe what God says? You know, if you were to read the creation account in Genesis 1, you would see that God created each animal and each plant and everything after its kind. We don't have time to go there. And, you know, this is the wisdom of God. But let's have a look at man's so-called wisdom according to the gospel of Wikipedia. Okay, I'm going to read this. I just put this up on Wikipedia to have a look where life originated and where it came from, according to man's amazing wisdom. The origin of life on Earth is a scientific problem which is not yet solved. They're still looking to solve this whole idea of life. And they're going to places like Mars to find life and they've got life right in front of them. Here we go. It goes on to say, most experts agree. Does anyone know what an expert is? I know my brother-in-law, Steve, knows what an expert is because he's the one who taught me this. An expert is a drip under pressure. It goes on to say, most experts agree that life today evolved by common descent from a single primitive life form. It is not known how this early life form evolved but scientists think, they think, they haven't established it as truth, they think it was a natural process which happened about 3,900 million years ago. Well, I have a question for these people. How was the single primitive life form created? That's a question I'd like to ask. Maybe you've asked that question. Were you formed by natural process? We were formed by natural process, apparently. So what does natural processes look like? That's another question that I have. You know, according to the BBC, they are great proponents of evolution and everything that goes along with it. This is what I picked up uh, in April 2016. Scientists 
presented a kind of family tree. They called it the tree of life. Now, I wonder where they might have got that from. It goes on to say a kind of family tree for every living species. It goes on to say almost all of the branches are bacteria. Well, you know that God, God says that he is the vine, we are the branches. But anyway, according to these incredibly, uh, amazingly uh, wise scientists, almost all of the branches are bacteria. What's more, the shape of the tree suggests that a bacterium was the common ancestor of all life. It's amazing what you read in the news. In other words, every living thing, including you, point to the person next to you, point to the screen in front of you, point to the pe person on the right and to the left of you, every, every living thing, including you, is ultimately descended from a bacterium. This is the wisdom of so-called educated people. You know what? You have to have more faith for evolution than you do for creation. Anyway, uh, did you hear about the scientist that said, you know, we, we've cracked it now. We know how to create a man. So they said to God, God, we want to have this competition with you now. We know how to create a man. God, you go first and then we're going to follow. So God got a piece of dirt as we see because you're just a piece of dirt, turn to the person next to you and say, you were created from the ground. So peace got, God got a piece of dirt and he fashioned it and then he breathed into man the breath of life. And then this, the God says, okay, it's your turn. So the scientist stooped down and started to grab the earth and God said, get your own dirt. Do you get that? You know what? There wasn't a bit of slime that became a fish that came out of water that grew legs that started walking on land and morphed into humans. What an insult to God. If we believe we come from apes or monkeys, we're saying God's got this wrong or God is a liar. Next verse of scripture is Genesis 1.26. I didn't give you that one, but you should know what this says. It says, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. You've been created in the very image of God. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Here, I've got this competition for everyone. Everyone can join in. Just a little competition now. I'm going to be a little bit facetious. You'll have to give, forgive me. Here's a little, little competition. I'm going to ask, ask you a question or a few questions. If you're ready, are you all ready? Put your hands up if you're ready. I'm just going to ask these very, they are simple questions and I know I'm going to patronise you a little bit. Cats produce, who's got the answer? <clears throat> Cats. Dogs produce, who's got the answer? Dogs. Monkeys produce, monkeys. Humans produce, humans. It's amazing what you learn in church, isn't it? You know, you're not going to make a monkey out of God, are you? I want to share a really important theological truth right now. If you want to turn to John 1, 14 with me, the New King James. All right, I've finished playing with you now. Let's get serious about this. John 1, 14, the New King James. This is really important. It says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You know, Jesus is called the word 
and he was born of the Virgin Mary and he had a flesh body. Why is that? Why did Jesus come in a flesh body? So that his body would become a sacrifice to pay for man's sin. You know, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, so he had no earthly father and he was born without a sin nature, unlike we are born with a sin nature. If you want to turn with me to 1 John, the letter of John, 1 John 4 verse 2, I'm going to read from the New King James. It says this, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God, is not of God. You know, this is such an important spiritual truth for us to understand and accept that Jesus came in, in, a, in and lived in a flesh body. Why is that? You know, um, the Apostle John said when he saw Jesus and clapped eyes on Jesus when he was baptizing people in the River Jordan and he saw Jesus walking towards him. He says, here is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. You know, we can see this in the next few verses that we're going to read. Okay, the second thing uh, the flesh relates to is the old carnal sinful nature. That word carnal just simply means fleshly or earthy if, earthly if you're going to take notes. And we're going to see this, why Jesus came and why it was important for him to come in the flesh. And then what the flesh represents as our second, second example today. So if you want to go with me into the New Testament in Romans 8 we're going to read from um, verse 3, the B part of the verse. Okay, it says there, Yet God sent us his son in human form. That's really important to identify with human weakness. You know that Jesus can identify with every weakness, every challenge, every failing that we have. He can, he can witness with that. Look at this, clothed with humanity. God's son gave his body to be the sin offering so that God could once and for all condemn the guilt and power of sin. You know, Jesus, isn't that amazing? Jesus has come into the world and his body was used on the cross to purchase man's sin. And he came to condemn the guilt and power of sin. He didn't come to condemn us. He came to condemn sin and the power of sin and do away not just with sin, but the power of sin in his life. We're going to see that when we look at the Easter story. Let's look at verse 4. So now every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through the anointed one living his life where? In us. And we are free to live not according to our flesh, there's the word flesh, underline that word in your Bible, but by the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. We're not meant to live by this in this fleshly body motivated by the flesh. Verse 5 goes on to say that. Those who are motivated, motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. But those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue, pursue spiritual realities. Verse 6, for the sense and reason of the flesh is death. What does living by the flesh produce? It only produces death. That's not good, is it? Whatever that means, that's not good. 
But the mind, the mind set controlled by the spirit, finds life and peace. Who wants to live a life of life and peace? Or who wants to live a life of death? I don't want to live a life of death. Let's carry on to verse 7. In fact, the mindset focused on the flesh, look at this, fights God's plan and refuses to submit to his direction because it cannot. The New Revised Standard Version of verse 7 says this, of that, that, that verse, it says, The mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. You know, we were enemies of God before we were Christians. And our minds were hostile to the things of God. I don't know about you, I used to take the mickey out of Christians. I thought they were all weak. I thought they were all wusses. And I thought, you know, you're just trying to be good, trying to buy your way into heaven. I used to think everyone's going to go to heaven. I don't believe that anymore. And my mind was hostile to the things of God. Whether you realized it or not, so was yours. Verse 8, and sadly, the world's mind is hostile to the things of God. It goes on to say, for no matter how hard they try, God finds no pleasure with those who are controlled by the flesh. Okay, so God is not pleased by anything we do in the flesh. Verse 9, but when the Spirit of Christ empowers your life, you are not dominated by the flesh, but by the Spirit. And if you are not joined to the spirit of the anointed one, you are not of him. So we can see that our old nature, our old way of thinking, it wars against the spirit and new nature constantly. You know, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says you don't have to go there, that we have become new creatures in Christ. The Bible says in that verse, it says, old things, all the old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I loved Diddley's testimony. We've been walking alongside Diddley. We've ran a prayer meeting for the last year and Diddley joins that prayer meeting every day. And we have seen someone come out of darkness and brought into light. Isn't transformation amazing? Isn't it? Just look at your neighbour if you've got someone there or the cat or the dog and say, oh, I've been transformed. Say that. I'm a new crea- creation. Come on, say that about yourself. I'm a new creation. Even if you're on your own, you're a new creation, created anew in Christ Jesus. Now we're meant to live the way God wants us to live. Let's let, have a look at Galatians 5.16. That's the next verse of scripture that we're going to look at. We're looking at the three enemies of our soul or the three enemies of our faith, the world, the flesh and the devil. Okay, Galatians 5.16, New King James says this, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust. There's that word lust again. We looked at that word lust last week and we'll get to see what that means again. Uh, Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh... Lust, there's that word lust again, lust against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. You know, there's that word lust again, and it means craving. We spoke about that over the last couple of weeks. It means unhealthy desires for what is forbidden. We all have desires. Some of our desires are good. Some aren't so good. 
So can we see this? The flesh is an enemy of our faith. It wars against our soul all the time. And the apostle is saying, walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But how do we walk in the spirit? How do we do that? That's a good question, I think. That's good. I'm glad you asked that question this morning. How do we walk in the spirit? We walk in love. We walk in light. We walk in forgiveness. We walk in grace. You know, if we want grace in our lives, we need to give others grace. Amen. We are meant to walk in newness of life. We need to be clothed with God, clothed with the spirit, clothed with the things of the spirit. You know, we walk in the spirit by obeying the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So what does, let's have a look, contrast that now, the spirit, walking in the spirit with the lust of the flesh. What does that look like? Let's go down to verse 19 of Galatians 5. I'm going to read from the Passion, and this is the fruit of the flesh. We're going to see in a moment the fruit of the spirit, but we're going to have a look at the fruit of the flesh just for a moment. And this is the, these are the kinds of things that our flesh can be involved in, was involved in, and if we're not careful, can still be involved in if we allow the flesh to dominate our thinking, dominate our lives, dominate we, the way we want to live. Okay, so what desires of the flesh compete with the desire of the spirit? Okay, if you're at verse 19, I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. It says, the behavior of the self-life is obvious. Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography. Verse 20, chasing after things instead of God. You know, there's nothing wrong with having things as long as things don't have us. And if we're chasing after those things and not God, we got it the other way around. You know, Matthew 6.33 says, um, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things that we desire will be added to us. It goes on to say, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments. This is the fruit of the flesh. Resentment when others are favoured. How many of you get jealous when your Christian brothers and sisters get blessed? I've got a new pastor car. Uh, I've got a new car pastor. Someone blessed me with a new car. Well, that's good for you, but mine's a bit of an old banger. That's great. How many of us feel like that when we, we get blessed and we tell someone we're blessed? Uh, that, that's what that's talking about. Resentment when others are favoured. Temper tantrums. Angry quarrels. Only thinking of yourself. Being in love with your own opinions. Being envious of the blessings of others. And the, the, the next one is murder. Well, you, you might say, well, I've never murdered anyone, Pastor. Uh, but Jesus said, if you hate your brother, you're a murderer. That's what that, the, the Bible says. It goes on to say uncontrolled addictions, wild parties and all other similar behavior. You know, look what happens when we act and behave like this. So let's have a look, go down to verse 21. The B part of the verse says this. Haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom realm of God? Now, this is a very difficult challenging verse to understand and we need a great deal of time to discuss that but we don't have time today I love what one commentator writes about the flesh he says this if we pamper the flesh and give in to its desires we are merely feeding a monster that will grow that much stronger 
The flesh is the enemy of our soul and wages war against it. The answer to the flesh, of course, is the power of the Holy Spirit. So just just summing up, I'm just going to give you a few things uh, because we can we can act like this today. I know I can sometimes. So I'm going to put my hands up and just be a bit vulnerable out there. Here is the fruit of some of the fruit of the flesh. Impatience. How many of you get impatience? We say, give me patience, God, and give it to me now. Impatience. Intolerance. Anger. Jealousy. Resentment. Selfishness. Frustration. Envy. You know, a changed life is evidence that we are walking and acting and behaving as God wants us to act. You know, Christianity isn't just about following a set of rules. Do's and don'ts. Do this. Don't do that. But our desires now and our behaviour should change as we begin to mature in God. Look at the contrast between walking in the flesh, verse 19, and walking in the spirit. Go down to verse 22 with me. And I know, you know, we've taught on this uh, sometimes. Uh, Our youth have just gone through the fruit of the spirit. Well done, guys. All those guys looking after our youth. Good to teach them the word of God, isn't it? Galatians 5.22, the New King James says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Who are we meant to love? We're meant to love God and just our brother or our neighbour as ourselves. That's what Jesus said. This fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Are we, let's ask that question, are we producing this kind of fruit in our lives. You know, I used to have a real explosive temper. The slightest thing would set me off and I'd just lose the plot. I'd lose, you know, lose the plot and just go ballistic sometimes and I'd fly off the handle very quickly. I used to be very angry, very jealous, very selfish, resentful. I couldn't forgive, but I'm changed. God has changed me so much. And you know, that's been a process. And I've allowed God's peace to rule my heart as I've got to know him more. You know, do I, do I get angry and frustrated in the car sometimes? I do. How about you? Do you get angry and frustrated? Don't put your hands up. Don't put your hands up because someone might point fingers at you. No, we're not here to point fingers. You know, I can sometimes get angry and frustrated in the car. My wife will testify to that, but my wife will also testify. Isn't that true, Esther? You can unmute yourself and testify to this, that I am getting better. Thank you, Esther. Um, I know I'm getting better. You know what? All those things are just the flesh. So what's the antidote? What can we do to overcome these fleshly way, this fleshly way of thinking and these fleshly desires that sometimes rise up within? Do they rise up within you sometimes? They rise up within me sometimes. A friend of mine, a Christian friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine said to me, Richard, you know, he said, my flesh is buried so shallow that it can rise up sometimes. You know, one thing we have to understand We can't blame the devil for everything that goes wrong in our lives. Sometimes our choices are poor and we can suffer and have to suffer the consequences for them. You know, sometimes our flesh wants to do what it wants to do. So we can't blame the devil when we get in the flesh. Now, Paul, the Apostle Paul, has a solution to the flesh. 
I want you to get this. I want you to write this down. Make sure you, you memorize this. Paul has a solution to the flesh. He wants you to die. Turn to the person next to you and say, he wants you to die. I'll qualify that in a minute, hopefully. You know, a dead person can't get offended or upset. A dead person can't get all, of, all fleshly. You're in Galatians 5, go down to verse 24. And those who are Christ's, how many are Christ this morning? And those who are Christ's have, look at this, crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. What does crucify mean? Crucify means to put something to death. Let's look at 25, verse 25. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. You know, this is why I'm glad uh, Diddley has put herself forward for water baptism. This is why water baptism is so important. What happens during water baptism? We actually bury the old man, don't we? And then we're raised to new life in Christ. You know, now this isn't my Bible. This isn't the gospel. Uh, this is the gospel according to Richard. This is the me version. You've heard of the you version, but this is the me version. You know, if our flesh isn't crucified and buried and we pander to the flesh, you know, we can align ourselves with the devil and he can start messing with us. And if you think that's not true, you just think what happened in the garden with Adam and Eve. They lived in a perfect environment and the devil came and Adam and Eve, Adam, uh, Eve blamed the serpent, Adam blamed her and then he blamed God for giving him the woman and then sin reigned. So if we're not careful, if we're following the ways of our old sinful nature, those things can continually rise in our hearts. We need to learn to walk in the spirit. That's why I believe water baptism is really, really important for every Christian. Because what we're doing is we're burying the old man. And if we haven't buried the old man, I believe the enemy can have access through our flesh. Let's go down to Galatians. Go back a couple of chapters. Galatians 2.20. I'm coming into land. I know I'm going on a little bit more this morning, but I, I started a bit late. So Galatians 2.20. This is the Apostle Paul now, and he's writing. Let's see what he writes about. He says, I have been, he uses that word, look at that. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. I love this next statement. And the life which I now live in the flesh, in his flesh body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If you can quickly turn to Colossians 3 verse 1, the new living. I'm going to have a drink of water. I hope you're okay. Colossians 3 1, new living. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honour at God's right hand. Did you know that you are seated in heavenly places in Christ? Did you know that? Verse 2. Think about the things of heaven and not just the things of earth. Verse 3. 
for you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. Isn't that an amazing promise? So Paul goes on and writes and says this in verse 5. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust and evil desires. Don't be greedy for a greedy person is an idolater, worshipping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. He goes on to say in verse 7, you used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. Look at that. But now is the time to get rid of anger, get rid of rage, malicious behaviour, slander and dirty language. You know, these things are a process. The moment we get saved, the moment we become a Christian, your spirit becomes alive unto God. But our minds, our thinking, you know, no one changes the hard drive. The moment we get saved, our hard drive, our mind isn't wiped clean, is it? We still have those old ways of thinking, those old patterns of thinking that we had prior to salvation. That's why the Bible says we need to renew our minds to the word of God so that we can, you know, live the way God wants us to do. And that's a process. So if you're still dealing with things like anger and rage and malicious behavior or slander or dirty language, don't worry. This is a process. And I know as you yield to the, the life of God that's in you, the spirit of God who's in you, in you he's going to teach you how to live. You know, my pastor never said to me, you're saved now, give up drinking, give up smoking, stop swearing, get your act together. You're a, not a sinner anymore. You're a saint. So stop doing those things. He never said that. It was a process. And as I grew in the things of God, you know, God says, be holy as I am holy. How is that possible? God makes us holy. We become holy and we, we are becoming holy. That's a process. So and I know as you trust God, to stop living the way we used to live in our old nature, with our old nature, and ask God to help you overcome these things. I believe he'll help you overcome those things. Amen. The last verse, last two verses says, Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature. Look at that. And all its wicked deeds. And it says in verse 10, Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Is it possible to become like Jesus? We are being, um, what does the Bible say about that? Conformed to the image of his son. Let's just close our eyes for a moment as we've just thought about this, this teaching, this message. I've concluded now and uh, I know it's a little later than we would normally, but I did start a little later. But let's just think about what we've just learned over the last few weeks about you know, the three enemies of our faith, the world, the flesh and the devil and the flesh. You know, we war against it. Our spirit war, wars against it every single day. And I believe if we allow God to help us, we can overcome those desires that we used to have and live the way that God wants us to live right now. You know, none of us are perfect. There's only one that walked the planet that was perfect. That was Jesus. I want to ask this question this morning. Do you know him today?
Maybe you've been uh, you've come to church for the first time or joined online to watch either via YouTube or via this live service. And I want to ask you today, do you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Saviour? I want to say I don't believe you've come here by accident today. I believe maybe that God drew you here and you've listened to this message. And I want to ask you this question. Do you feel that you're part of the family of God? If you can't answer that question and you're not sure, I'm going to just pray a simple prayer. And if you would pray this prayer after me and you can know God in a personal way, you can know that you're part of God's family. I believe that God has been knocking on the door of your heart this morning. And the handle of that door is on the inside. And I believe God's knocking and he wants to come into your life. And he's knocking on the door of your heart. Will you open that door this morning and let him in? If you'd like to do that, just say this prayer after me. Say, Father God, I come to you now. In the name of Jesus, Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me. Lord Jesus, I believe you died to take my sin, that you were buried Lord Jesus, I believe on the third day you rose from the dead. Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. In Jesus' name, 